My name's Stephen, and I'm now one of the pastors here at Sojourn Community Church. It is a, it is a blessing, it is an honor, uh, and I, I thank the Lord that he has given me uh, the ability and uh, the opportunity to serve as a pastor here. Uh, so if you don't know, uh, I am officially the pastor of families, which means from zero to 18, uh, that is going to be where I focus. And when you know when the guy who's in charge of the kids' ministry gets up in front of the church, at some point in their sermon, they're going to try to guilt trip everybody in the service to serve in kids. And so they're waiting for that moment to come. So I'm just going to start with it uh, rather than try to blindside you with it. Here's the thing. If you want to see God move, serve in Sojourn Kids. And this is what I mean. When I was eight, I just went into my third grade class, my third grade Sunday school class, and I met Miss Michelle. And Miss Michelle opened my eyes to the Bible in a way that I'd never seen. She taught me stories about a guy named Elijah who took on 400 evil prophets of Baal and called down a fireball to destroy an altar and then went and killed all 400 evil prophets. She taught me about uh, an evil queen named Jezebel who got thrown out of a window, trampled by horses, and eaten by dogs. She taught me about Jesus. When he comes back, he's going to have a big old sword coming out of his mouth and a tattoo on his thigh that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I was like, this is incredible. And she taught me that for the next three years because she always went up. When my class graduated, she went up with us. And that's the thing that I remember more than anything is not necessarily that she, she started a fire in me that wanted to read the Bible more, but I knew that she loved me. And what I realized is that God's people, when I went to God's church, God's people loved me. And that's what you have the opportunity to teach these kids every week. Like from the nursery on, if you think about it, King David said in the Psalms, he said, I learned to trust God at my mother's breast. What he means is that he knew who God was from the time he was a baby. He was being taught who God was. So from zero to 18, you have the opportunity to go over and show these kids who God is. And as you show them who God is and you bring your transformed and transforming presence into that relationship, you have the opportunity to transform lives and then transform the world. And so if you want to be a part of transforming the world and making it more like God's kingdom and seeing God move, I invite you to serve and sojourn kids we might have a place where you could fit you in. Also, we have EBS coming up in two weeks. If you want to sign up to serve, there's a table out here, and you can sign up to serve. It's July 16th through the 20th. Um, and you can also sign your kids up, but don't let them have all the fun. It's a great week. We'd love to have you serve and uh, join up with us. So that's my, that's my pitch for kids. I think you should come join us. Now that that's done, we're going to go to the sermon. So I'm going to look, we've been in the book of James, and so we're going to start in James chapter 3, verse 14. And if you wouldn't mind, and you're able to, would you please stand as I read the word of God? If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. 
But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So I want us to see two things from this passage this morning, two simple things. One is that there is a wisdom from below, which is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And you can see this wisdom from below is focused on self. It asks, what can I get out of this? What's good for me? And then there's a wisdom from above, and it's focused on who God is, knowing him more, and how to love other people better. So there's two kinds of wisdom, wisdom from below and wisdom from above. Now, kids, if uh, now everybody who's a kid in here say, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So kids, let me tell you something. There are some adults in this very room who aren't too excited that you're here this morning. They say, they tell me, they're like, these kids can't pay attention. They can't listen. They don't know the points of the sermon. So here's what we're going to do this morning. Silas, you ready for this? You ready? You guys are going to remind them what the points of the sermon are later today, because I guarantee you they're going to forget, but you won't. So y'all ready for this? You're going to help me tell them what the points of the sermon are today. The first point, right? Wisdom from below has got to go. All right, so say it with me. I'm going to say wisdom from below, and you guys say, got to go, and you give it the thumb. Ready? Wisdom from below has got to go. All right, one more time. You ready for this? Wisdom from below has got to go. All right, now, why does wisdom from below have to go? Well, it will destroy your life. Wisdom from below, if you look at what James says, I'm going to read this again, and notice the kind of language that he's using is self-centered and selfish. Here's what he says. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. If you want to find disorder and evil in your life, use wisdom from below, because it will destroy your life. And I learned that lesson the hard way when I was 10. When I was 10, my dad showed me the coolest toy I had ever seen in my life. It might still be the coolest toy I've ever played with, and it's called a rocket. And it is literally a rocket. What it was is a small piece of plastic tubing with a hole in the bottom where you would stick a rocket filled with solid rocket fuel, and then you would attach these two metal wires to it. And you would back up about 20 feet, and you had a controller in your hand that was attached to the wires, and as soon as you hit the button on the controller, this thing would go about 10,000 miles an hour into the stratosphere. Out of sight. And then you'd look up for it, and you'd wait, and you'd wait, and you'd wait, and then you'd see a poof. And what would happen is the top would come off, and a parachute would come out, and it would float down to the ground, And you'd have to run five miles if the wind was blowing to go find out where it was, put the two back in, just the parachute back on, and then go back and launch it again. It was the coolest toy I've ever played with. 
The only problem with this toy is that it required adult supervision. So my friend David and I decided we were going to test that theory. And so we went to our cul-de-sac. And we said, you know, we'd really love to launch the rocket up, but there are a lot of trees around here, and the parachute would get stuck. So let's not launch the rocket. Let's find something else. Hey, how about this milk jug? So we took a set of bricks, we put the milk jug in the middle, and we took our solid rocket fuel engine and stuck it into the opening of the milk jug. We attached the two metal wires, we backed up about 20 feet, had the controller in my hand, and I looked at David and I said, this is a bad idea, isn't it? And he said, yep. And I said, oh well. Boom. Push the button. But instead of going up, the rocket went at us. Thankfully, it went past us. But we didn't even have time to move. It was going so fast. It was just... And as we saw where it was headed, it was going toward our friend Brett's house, who has a perfectly manicured lawn and this beautiful mailbox. And it was going right towards the mailbox. But thankfully, the rocket inside this thing shifted to the left, sent it hurtling towards the grass, where it then started to spin in place. This would not have been a problem if sparks hadn't been flying out the back end, spraying them around the yard. And if you didn't know, this is a little-known fact, grass is flammable. So as David and I are staring at this thing, spinning in the grass, spraying sparks everywhere, it seems like an eternity before we realize we should probably go do something about this. And so we run up to it, and by this time it's stopped spinning, and we stare at it, and it's burned a hole in the plastic and is smoldering. And I calmly tell David, do something, you idiot. <laughs> to which he replies, what do you want me to do about it? Stupid. <laughs> and so I say, let's go get a hose. So we sprint to Brett's house, we grab his hose, we pull it off the reel, we spray the whole thing down, and thankfully at this point, there's only a few minor marks on the perfectly manicured lawn, which we agree we can blame on Brett. And at this point, we're staring at the soaked, melted milk jug. And I look at David and I said, well, we learned something today. If you're going to launch a rocket, you should probably make sure the engine's in place. And David said, yeah, we should. We learned something. And I'm like, that's right. And this is the kind of wisdom from below that I'm telling you not to use. Because this is what we did. We said, Am, are we going to have fun? Is this, is this what we want to do? Who cares if this hurts anybody else? And then this is what's also crazy. If you think about this is what James says. Listen to what he says about this. When you start using wisdom from below, he says, But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. So you notice what we did. We acted selfishly. We said, Are we going to have fun? Who cares what happens to anybody else? But then we covered up the truth, which is this was a really bad idea, by saying, well, we learned something about science today. And what's funny is you see this all the time if you look around. When I was in elementary school, I got shoved out of the way while I was trying to feed the pet crab by Caroline because I didn't know what I was doing. 
But Caroline didn't. She wanted to make sure the crab was going to be taken care of, right? She acted selfishly and then lied to cover it up. You saw this in 2008 with the housing market. Guys made loans to people who they knew, who they knew couldn't pay them back. But they did it because they wanted to get people into houses. It's not true. They just wanted to make their bank accounts bigger. And now here's the thing. We see this in our lives in southern Indiana, but we're a little more clever with what we do. We use our selfish ambition in a little more subtle of a way where we're not running over or running around people. We're actually withdrawing from people. And this is what I mean. How many of you know somebody who you ask them, hey, do you want to do this? You want to go do this, that thing? You want to serve? You want to be a part of this? And they say, ah, I would love to, but I'm just so busy. But then, if that's you or your friend, you go home, and you've got all those things that you're supposed to do, and they're sitting in front of you like a mountain, and you're like, well, before I tackle this, I'm going to just check out for a second and watch some Netflix. Maybe for like 10, 15 minutes. Four hours later, it's 10 o'clock at night, and that mountain stuff is still sitting in front of you, daunting, and you're like, what am I going to do? Well, I'm just going to keep watching some Netflix. I'm just going to keep binging. And what we're doing is instead of resting, is we're actually checking out. We're using our selfish ambition to say, I really need to rest and pull back. But really what we're saying is, I don't want to be on anymore. I would rather check out than be present with my friends and with my family because it's easier. And you know what? It's funny. It's the same sort of language when we talk about binging and checking out that drug addicts use. It's such a strange thing that we're willing to withdraw from people like that and call it a good thing. We put a good spin on it. And this is the sort of thing where we have to ask ourselves, is this the kind of life we want? Are we living just to get home? Are we working through the week every day just to get home and check out and turn off? What kind of living is that? And here's what we do is, is we even boast about it why we put all of this stuff on Facebook about the 30 seconds where we're happy, and then we lie about it to ourselves by saying, I'm just so satisfied with my life. And we look at our Facebook profile page, and we're like, see, I'm living the good life, when all the while, really, your internal self is telling you, I'm miserable, I'm lonely, I'm depressed. And we don't want to listen to that. And so we're using this wisdom from below, and then we boast about it, and we're lying about it all the while, We're deeply unsatisfied with our lives. So the question is, how do we stop using wisdom from below and start using wisdom from heaven? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. That brings us to the second point. Which, kids, you still there? Don't check out. Put your crowns down. You ready? You ready, Olivia? You ready? You ready? All right, here we go. If you Wisdom from heaven cranks life to 11. Wisdom from heaven cranks life to 11. So here we go. We're going to practice together. Kids, you ready? I'm going to say wisdom from heaven. You guys say cranks life to 11. Ready? Wisdom from heaven. Wisdom from heaven. Okay, you got it. So remember, wisdom from below has got to go. Wisdom from heaven cranks life to 11. Tell your parents afterwards. Because, again, they're going to forget, but you're going to remember. So here we go. 
Wisdom from heaven cranks life to 11. What do I mean? Well, you ever have anybody ask you, how's your life on a scale of 1 to 10? If you're using wisdom from heaven, you'll be able to say, my life's an 11. It's better than I thought I could be. It's better than I could ask or imagine. And here's what James says about when you use wisdom from heaven. He says, but wisdom from heaven is above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So notice that wisdom from below that's got to go uses selfish language. But wisdom from heaven that cranks life to 11 is focused on God and how to love other people. Did you notice all those things he was saying about peace-loving, gentle to other people? willing to yield to others, full of mercy and good deeds. All of those things are focused on God and others. So here's the thing. If you're using wisdom from below, before you do something, you're probably asking yourself questions like, what's in it for me? But if you're using wisdom from heaven, the questions that you're asking are, will this help me know God more? And will this help me love people better? So let me give you an example of a time that my friends helped me use wisdom from heaven. My wife had a 30th birthday party, and I wanted to throw her a surprise dance party. Because we really like to dance, but when you're 30, there's really not anywhere that you can dance where it's appropriate and not super awkward. So I was like, hey, let's just figure out a place where we can have a small little space where we just kind of like dance, and it'll be cool, and it'll be fun, and we'll have like chips and a boombox, and it'll be great. So this is her 30th birthday party. And really what I was thinking, I was using wisdom from below saying, What's the easiest thing I can do? What's the least amount of effort that I have to put in to pull this off? It was about me. I was, I was doing, I was putting on a party for my wife, but really, I was just trying to get by. But when I started talking to my friends, they were like, hey, look, we love Liz. We care about her. We're considering what she wants, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to crank this party to 11. And so they said, hey, we're not just going to have a tiny little space. We're going to clear out the whole living room. Furniture's gone. In the basement, we're going to have a dance floor. And then I had some other friends who were like, decorations? Oh, we got a disco ball. We got streamers. We got lights. And then I had some other friends who were like, we ain't doing chips. Get out of town with those chips. We're going to have cake. We're going to have drinks. We're going to have Cheetos. We're going to have Tostita pizza rolls flowing like honey. It's going to be incredible. And so I was like, all right, well, if we're going all the way, then I'm going all the way, too. I'm going to go get the biggest, baddest speakers I can find, and we are going to be bumping. And you know what? That's what we did. And we did it, right, not because we were having a great time, but we did it because everyone there said, we love Liz, and we want her to enjoy this. And what's crazy about that is when we said, we want Liz to enjoy this because we love her, we all got to enjoy it as well. And then here's the crazy part. You're saying, well, how did that help you get to know God better? Let me tell you something. You know what Jesus says the kingdom of heaven will be like? He says it's going to be like a wedding feast. He says it's going to be like a giant party. And so we got to know God more because by putting on a party with our best effort, we got to see what's it going to be like when we get to be with Jesus in his kingdom. And so we loved people, and we got to know God more, and it made our party and our lives awesome. And this is what's happening is 
If you want to use wisdom from below and have a party with chips and a boombox, go for it. It's just not going to be as good as if you're using wisdom from heaven. Because wisdom from heaven, where it's focused on other people and knowing God more, you're going to have such a better life. The problem is, though, is even though we know we should use wisdom from heaven that cranks life to 11, we always tend to use up wisdom from below. And so the question is, if I want to use wisdom from heaven, what do I do? Well, lucky for you, I've got three things you can do. Really simple, and it's really easy to memorize. It's A, B, C. You ready? Layla, you ready for this? In the back? I see you. All right, here we go. First thing that you got to do is admit. You've got to admit there's something wrong with your life. If you can't admit there's something wrong with your life, then there's nothing for Jesus to fix. If you don't need Jesus to fix anything in your life, then you don't need Jesus. So the first thing you have to do is to admit there's something wrong, something that you need help fixing. And that thing you need help fixing is your whole life. In church lingo, we call that sin. We need Jesus to help us with our sin. The second thing that you need to do is be, which is believe. You need to believe the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And what I mean by that is, if you believe that Jesus lived for you, that he died so he could forgive your sins, and he was resurrected so that he could send his spirit to live inside of you, then he will send his spirit to live inside of you. He will change your heart so that you don't want to use wisdom from below anymore and that you want to use wisdom from heaven. And when Jesus is living inside of you, when his spirit is united with you, you can do the third thing, which is commit to follow him. If Jesus really loves you and he's really God, then the way he says to live life is going to be way better than the way that you think you want to live it on your own. So if you admit there's something wrong, believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and then commit to follow him, you'll start seeing that you're actually able to use wisdom from heaven and that your life will get cranked to 11 because you'll be living life with God himself. But we still have a slight problem. And that problem is, as much as we believe, as much as we admit, as much as we commit to follow Jesus, you're still going to fail at it. And that's why we gather here every week, is to remind ourselves, God loves us, he surrounded us with his saints who love us, and who are calling us each other, to follow Jesus. And one of the ways that we remember that is that we take communion every week. We are reminding ourselves that we are actually united with God because of what, of what Jesus did. Because of his body and his blood, we now have access to God. We now have union with Jesus because he lived for us, he died for us, and he was resurrected for us. And so, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup, saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So for those of you who have admitted that something is wrong, you've believed that Jesus has saved you and you've committed to follow him, come forward and remind yourself that you are united with Jesus and that he's living inside of you. For those of you who haven't, this isn't a meal for you yet. I invite you to stay in your seat and consider what kind of wisdom are you using. Are you using wisdom from below? Or are you using wisdom from heaven? 
If you want to start using wisdom from heaven, I invite you to come down front after the service, and you can talk with one of our pastors or a deacon and see how that journey to start using wisdom from heaven can begin. Let's pray.